Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. So in our gospel series, we began with the words of Jesus. We wanted to see what Jesus said concerning things like the law, concerning things like end times. And now we're moving into the works of Jesus. We've gone from the words. Now we're going to go into the works of Jesus in the gospels. We want to see what they reveal as they reveal so much about the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. When we look at the Gospels, we're basically looking what it declares about Jesus' ministry, his life and ministry here on earth, and even before that. And when you get into the epistles, it's basically explaining the doctrine of Jesus Christ, which is just as important. We want to understand the work of Jesus when he died on the cross, as the Gospels tell us. What did all that mean? And so this morning, we're moving into the works of Jesus, and we're going to begin with creation. We want to see what the Bible says about Jesus and creation. And I would hope that by the end of the service, you would understand who Jesus is a little bit more clear, especially in the light of what we hear every day, whether it's on the internet or in the news or reading articles, who people we run into Everyone's got opinion about Jesus, but we want to see what the Word of God says about Jesus and what it says particularly about creation. And that's so important for you and I to understand, that we would understand a little bit of how many of you have seen the Marvel movies? How many of you have seen, like, the Marvel movies, right? Raise your hand. Don't lie. You know, this is okay. They're clean, I think. So we've seen those Marvel movies, and, and everyone loves those stories about the superheroes, right? We read the comics, we watch the movies, we hear these stories, and there's a sense of awe and fascination, so much so that as of August 2021, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is the highest revenue-producing film franchise in the world at a total of $22.93 billion dollars. Star Wars doesn't even come close to that. They're at about $10 billion. We read the comic books. We, we go to the movies. We'll gladly spend money and time on seeing these superhero movies. And they're just fictional characters. But when we look at who Jesus Christ is, God Almighty, He's infinitely and incomparably greater than all of these superheroes put together. Amen? And so this is why we're continuing this series in the Gospels. We're talking about Jesus in creation. And so we can build a greater appreciation of who Jesus is. When we look at creation, when you hear creation taught, when you're in school and you hear evolution, we know different. We know what the Bible says, that God created all things. And so I would hope that we would have a greater appreciation of Jesus. I think every time we open up the scriptures and we read, we see Jesus all over the pages and our appreciation should go up. This week is Thanksgiving, right? Pastor Chris had mentioned that. And on Thursday, families are going to gather and they're going to give thanks. But how much more thankful should we be for our Savior, right? For all that He has done. 
So this morning, we're going to look at Jesus in creation. We want to look at Jesus' pre-existence of creation. We're going to look at Jesus' power in creation. We're going to look at his position over creation. Finally, Jesus' restoration of creation. But we want to jump right in with Jesus' pre-existence of creation. Now, many people think out there that Jesus was a created being based on what they've heard. But I want you to see John 1.1. Look how... The gospel opens. Gospel of John, in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. Now, that's speaking of Christ. We'll see that in a moment. But isn't that strange that the gospel would open with the Word? If the primary thrust of the gospel of John was written according to his own words so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name, why doesn't John just open up with, In the beginning was Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus. But he doesn't do that. He says, in the beginning was the Word. And what he was doing, he was grabbing the attention of the Gentiles and the Jewish people of his day. Logos is the word that's used there in the Greek. As you know, the New Testament was written originally in Greek. And it was the common language of that day. And logos was the Greek word for word there. And it has a long history with the Greek philosophers going back to the time of Heraclitus, back 500 B.C. And here's what he, a famous philosopher, said. That he viewed Logos as the shaping, ordering, and directing principle in the universe. That's what he viewed the word Logos as. Philo was a renowned Jewish teacher in the first century who had a mindset developed by much of the Greek philosophy, and he used logos in a variety of ways, including the captain and pilot of the universe. And it was common Greek thought of that day that they could look at creation and they could say, man, there's a mind behind this. That was their thought. It's kind of like today, you know, many of those who believed in evolution that were teaching in the schools, they may not have gone over to creation making and acknowledging acknowledging God as creator, but they've gone to intelligent design. That's kind of like what they were back there. They, they look at creation, they say, man, there's got to be a mind behind this. So that was the Greek mindset, and we don't have time to dive into all of that, but it's fascinating what the Greeks believed concerning creation and the universe. Philo, he was that renowned teacher, Jewish teacher, but He was inundated with the Greek philosophy of his time. And that's why he would say, well, the Logos was primarily, you know, the pilot and the captain of the universe. So that's the Greek side. But the Jewish side of things, we know that it's got roots in the Old Testament. We know that even in the beginning, where John is bringing us back to, in the beginning, God created. And as you read on, you say, God said, you see, God said, let there be light. God said, let there be light. So this is going all the way back to creation. In other places in the Old Testament, we see that the Word of God in His powerful and effective action is taking place in creation through His Word. So when you look at Psalm 33, 6, it says, by the Word of of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. And so when you read the Old Testament, you see things like that at times where the word of God is active. And we see it in Psalm 33 as active in creation. 
But by the time of Jesus' day, the Jews, they wouldn't pronounce God's name anymore. They didn't say Yahweh. They said it was too reverent. It was unpronounceable. And so they didn't pronounce it like we would today when we read the Old Testament. God is Yahweh. God is Yahweh. So they quit pronouncing it, but they would come up with terms. For instance, the Targum was a Jewish paraphrase of the Old Testament. It was a paraphrase with explanations. It was popular at the time of Jesus. And in the Targum, they would call God Yahweh sometimes Memrah. It was an Aramaic word for word. So in the Old Testament, we have this Targum at the time of Christ, which is an Aramaic translation paraphrase of the Old Testament. And the Aramaic word is found in there, Memrah, which means word speaking of Yahweh at times. So when John opens up in John 1 with in the beginning, instead of saying Jesus, says the word, there was a real intention there. you got to remember that every word in Scripture was God-breathed, that was inspired of the Holy Spirit. So there is a divine wisdom behind how the Scriptures are written. And so he says, in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. Now what I want you to see here is that when he opens up in the beginning, it is the same exact phrase that you see in the Old Testament when the Bible opens up. In the beginning God. In the beginning God. And it says in the beginning God created. God created. Here John is bringing them directly back to the opening pages of Scripture by saying in the beginning God. He's going to tell you who the Word is. In just a sec, he's going to continue to unfold that. But for the moment, he's bringing us back to creation, the beginning. In the beginning, God, what? Created the heavens and the earth. So, the first thing I want you to see about the Word, Logos here, is that, and referring to Jesus, is this, that Jesus is eternally God. When you look at that, in the beginning, there was no creation. He is eternally existent, that Jesus is eternally God. He's God in the flesh, right? That's why verse 14 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, speaking of Jesus. So we look at this and we say, first of all, wait a minute, Jesus can't be created because he was before creation. That's why John says in the beginning was the word was the Word, was the Logos. And he goes on and he begins to clarify a little bit more by saying that in the beginning, Jesus is essentially God. Continuing on, and the Word was with God. And the Word was with God. Jesus is equally God. This is why he said things like in the Gospel, I and the Father are one. In John chapter 10, in verse 30, he says, I and the Father are one. In John 14, 9, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? So we're looking at this word as equally with God, right? John 5, 18, this is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was calling God his own Father, making himself equal with God. Jesus is equally God. He's not just eternally God, but Jesus is equally God. And it's important to understand that. Not only is he eternally God, 
And not only is he equally God, but he's essentially God. Look what he continues to say. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He makes it clear. And the Word was God. We'll get into Trinity in just a moment because we're going to move forward towards creation. And we'll just briefly touch on that today. But you have to understand that Jesus was not just equally God. He was essentially God. He carried all the attributes of God. He carried all the characteristics of God. He's omnipresent like God. He was all-powerful like God. Essentially God. In Hebrews chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, it says, But of the Son, this is God speaking, the Father speaking, but of the Son, He says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever the scepter of uprightness and the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. God calling the Son God, basically in Hebrews chapter 1. Okay, so as we open up and we think of creation, we've got to see who Jesus is. First of all, we see that he is the Word. He was in the beginning with God. He was before creation, in the beginning was the Word, and He was also God. He's essentially God, and the Word was God. Now, the cults are going to take that, and you've probably seen it before, where the Jehovah's Witnesses will actually translate as, the Word was a God. The Word was a God, and there's two problems with that. It doesn't fit the Greek text. The original transcripts of the Greek never say that, and all your well-respected Greek translators will translate in the word was God. The word was God. But the cults, because they don't want to acknowledge the deity of Christ and that he was God in the flesh, that they will not acknowledge that he was creator either. They'll say, wait a minute, he was a part of creation. He was one of the first created beings. And the scriptures never ever say things like that. They never even leaned to believe that Jesus was less than God. Right in John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 1, the opening is very different than any of the other Gospels. We have no virgin birth mentioned. We have no birth of Christ. We don't have any of that stuff that the other Gospels will record, but we have the pre-existence of Jesus. So when we talk about creation in Jesus, you have to know that He existed before creation. He is eternal. He is eternal. So, in Christianity, we speak of the Trinity. You've heard the term before probably, but you said, what is the Trinity? Exactly. And it's not that hard to define. All right? It's very difficult to understand. I'm not going to pull punches on that. I'd be the first to say that no one can really fully explain the Trinity. Because basically in the Trinity, we're saying that there's only one God. The Bible teaches there's only one God. Do you realize that when the scriptures like in Corinthians speak of Satan as the God of this age, he's not speaking about a God at the same level as God. He's talking about his control over the majority of humanity, but he's not talking about an all-powerful being and an all-knowing being. There's only one of those. And Isaiah makes it clear that before me, There was no God formed after me. There was no God formed. So there is no God. When it speaks of people having gods in their lives, they're talking about idols, 
things that you worship, things that dominate you and control you and lead your life. That's what it's speaking about. There's only one true God. You have to understand that. In the beginning, God created. Everything comes forth from that. Even Satan's a created being. He's not a God in the true sense of a God. So, with the Trinity, we say one God, but in the one God, the Scriptures reveal there's three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three persons. One God, right? Say that with me. One God. One God. Three persons. There aren't three gods like the cults want you to believe. There's one God. Now, i got to admit that this is difficult for our finite minds, right? That just because we can't fully understand it does not give us the liberty to change the Scriptures to write something that we do understand. Okay, So, so when we look at that, we have to say that, okay, the Bible teaches one God, and there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. By the way, all three were present at Jesus' baptism. Jesus is baptized, right? The Holy Spirit descends upon him as a dove, it says, and there's a voice that comes from heaven. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. All three were present at Jesus' baptism. And it's interesting because in Matthew 28, he gives the marching orders to go preach the gospel, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name, singular, of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Trinity's there in the baptism at the end at the Great Commission there. And that's why we baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so when we say that there's three persons, we got to say that they're not 33 and a third percent of God. Each of the three persons is 100% God. One God, three persons, each person 100% God. You have to understand that. And i got to tell you, how do you explain it? Right, But I've come to understand, especially when my kids were in school and they were needed help with their math homework, I was able to help them up to about kindergarten. And then they would come with these problems, these you know fractions and algebra and things like that. And I was good in math when I was growing up, but that was you know five years ago when I was in junior high or high school. And I was good in math then, but everything I learned about algebra I actually forgot. So they come with their homework and they want help with it. And think about trigonometry and, you know, calculus. How do you guys even do that stuff, right? But just because I don't understand it and just because I can't do it doesn't make it less true. The numbers don't lie. And I think that's the approach we have to take with the Trinity, that we're looking at a subject that's taught in the Scriptures that you and I can't fully understand. Can't wrap our minds around it. But when it speaks of Jesus dying for the church, it refers to him as God. There's an important scripture in Acts chapter 20. You don't need to turn there. She's going to put it on the screen. It says, pay careful attention. This is Apostle Paul speaking to the leaders in Ephesus, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which He obtained with His own blood. Look, at, I want you to see that. Now, 
I studied Greek in seminary, and what happens is the cult will take to care for the church of God, which he obtained. Actually, the word could mean purchase. That's why some of your translations say purchase. It can mean the same thing, which he purchased with his own blood. And so what they do is they take which he purchased with his son's own blood. So one day I had a group of Jehovah's Witnesses over at my house. I always let them in. And when I was talking to them, I said, can I see your Bible? They have what's called the New World Translation. They opened up the scripture. I said, turn to Acts 20. They turned to Acts 20, and I said, read the scripture, verse 28. They read the scripture, and it, I can't remember exactly how they translated every word, but they pretty much said in their translation that God had purchased the church with his son's own blood, and I said, that's a lie. And they're looking at it, and they said, no, it isn't. The Bible says, I said, you don't have a Bible in your hand. You only have a translation of the Bible in your hand. And I said, I only have a translation of the Bible in my hands. My Bible is only a translation. It isn't the Bible. We call it the Bible. The Bible was written in Greek. We have a translation of the Bible in English. And I said, in the Greek manuscripts, do you realize the word huios, which means son, is not there? And I showed him on my computer. I said, here's the Greek manuscript. Show me where huios is. And they didn't even know Greek. And I said, the problem is that you guys are translating the Bible based on your theology, not based on what God's Word says. You believe that Jesus is a created being, so therefore you have to insert the word son with his son's own blood, but it doesn't say that. In the original manuscripts, it says that God purchased the church with his own blood. When you saw Jesus up there dying on the cross, that was God. So the Trinity we speak of as three persons, right? And he opens up with the Logos, with the Word, which he unfolds to be Jesus Christ, because he wants you to know that before we even get into creation, when we talk about the difficult things in the Bible, creation, when we talk about atonement, salvation, that you need to know who this is. And when he says Logos, he's grabbing the hearts of the Jewish people, and he's grabbing the hearts of the Greek philosophers of that day, the Greek mindset of that day, and says, let me tell you who this Logos is. Where Plato would say that it's just the mind that has done all this and orders the universe and everything else. Let me tell you who that mind is. Let me tell you who that Logos is. In the beginning was the word Logos, and Logos was with God, and Logos was God. And then verse 14, and Logos became flesh and dwelt among us. Creation has to start there. You have to start by understanding that Jesus created. Now people have a problem with this. Because they tell me that when Jesus is not God, that Jesus can still create. And that's not true. God's the only one that can create out of nothing. So look at his power in creation. Look at verse 2. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Everything was created through Jesus. There was nothing 
that was not created. So when we talk about creation, he says everything. He first says in a positive way, and he says in a negative way, if there's any question in your mind, he says everything was created by him, and there was nothing that was created without him. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley, with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivorg website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivorg or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.